are listening to the Grassroots Sermon Podcast. For more information about who we are or how you can become involved, please visit us at grassrootswv.com. We're going to go into our time of scripture reading, so I'm going to invite you to take your Bibles. Go to Philippians chapter 4. I'm going to give you a second to find your Bibles. Maybe if you're at home, you forgot to have it sitting there or open an app um, on your phone or tablet device to Philippians chapter 4. And as always, don't let the devices be a distraction. Use them wisely. Philippians chapter 4, we are going to start in verse 6, and I am reading out of the ESV. If you do not have a Bible, the verse up on the screen for you. So let's read together. Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 6, says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have received your concern for me, uh, revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble." Good morning, everybody. Hope everyone's having a good morning so far. If you're not already there, open up your Bibles to Philippians 4. As Darren just read, today we're going to be focusing on verses 6 through 14. Now, for those of you that don't know, my name is Adam, also known as the A-Game. I'm one of the elders here at Grassroots Church, and I have to say, before I start on anything, it's always a joy, a pleasure, and an honor Uh, to be standing before you on Sunday mornings preaching, proclaiming, and teaching God's Word. Today I want to talk to you all about what I'm going to call the power of peaceful thinking. If you are someone that likes to take notes, or even if you're not someone that likes to take notes, what I'm going to do, I'm going to go ahead and throw out five talking points that we're going to be using this morning. Uh, So even if you don't take notes, that's kind of the roadmap we're going to use to get to a certain point. The five talking points I'm going to be using this morning are one... The rise of the power of positive thinking. So the rise of the power of positive thinking. Two, I want to talk to you all about an alternative to the power of positive thinking. Three, we're going to be talking about the discipline of peaceful thinking. Four, the product of peaceful thinking. And then finally, we're going to get to the main point, which is the title of this lesson. That is the power of peaceful thinking. 
Okay, so just to reiterate one more time, just so I know you have it, because I don't think I sent, yeah, the outline for anybody. The rise of the power of positive thinking, an alternative to the power of positive thinking, the discipline of peaceful thinking, the product of peaceful thinking, finally, the power of peaceful thinking. Uh, We're going to start here, 1952. In 1952, a book was published by a man named Dr. Norman Vincent Peale. The book was called The Power of Positive Thinking. So in this book, Dr. Peel makes an appeal to all of his readers and kind of challenges those readers to make their lives better. That by the power of positive thinking, they can enhance their life experience. Uh, The idea kind of comes from cognitive behavioral therapy, which I know some of you out there might know a lot more about that than what I know. But at its core, the essence, cognitive behavioral therapy, it's a branch of psychology and counseling that says, if you change your cognitions, your thoughts, you can then change your behavior. So you can change the way you see the world around you by thinking in a certain positive way. So that book was published in 1952. But before he speaks anything about the power of positive thinking, he gives 10 rules right up front for those that are wanting to engage in the power of positive thinking. 10 rules for those that want to experience life better, make life more positive. Those 10 rules are, let me get to the right page here. It's always a good start whenever you start your notes out, like at the bottom. The conclusion is going to be really good today, everybody. I just saw it. Spoiler, it's really good. But anyway, the 10 rules for the power of positive thinking are, number one, picture yourself succeeding. Number two, Think a positive thought to drown out a negative thought. Number three, minimize obstacles. Number four, do not attempt to copy others. Number five, repeat if God is for us, then who can be against us? Repeat that 10 times a day. Number six, work with the counselor. Number seven, repeat, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, repeat that 10 times a day. Number eight, develop a strong self-respect. Number nine, affirm that you are in God's hands. And finally, number 10, believe that you receive power from God. Now, automatically that list, there's nothing wrong with any of those things. I think we can all agree, most of those things are pretty good. Uh, Particularly, I like the one, my favorite out of all those, and I can say that because this is a sec, kind of a secular piece of work, power of positive thinking. Remove obstacles. Minimize your obstacles. Take the path with least resistance right there. Um, but yeah, so those are the 10 rules that someone should abide by if they want to enhance their lives by this power of positive thinking. None of those things are necessarily wrong. Now, the book came out as a faith-based book. This was written to both Christians. It's just coming at it from a very worldly or secular perspective. And in hindsight, those rules, that book, that theory of positive thinking seems to be a little bit disillusioned. And I'm not alone in that thinking. You might have even thought that yourselves. As you're reading through that, you're like, that seems kind of shallow. In a lot of ways, it is. Uh, Dr. Albert Ellis, who's one of the leading psychologists of the 20th century, who was also big into cognitive behavioral therapy, actually referred to the work, the book of the power of positive thinking by saying it was disillusioned. And here's the problem with that. How many of you actually can control the positive things around you? 
is kind of hard, right? The, the problem is that in the world, there are bad things. There are good things. There are bad things. There are some meh things, kind of a gray area there. It's really hard to spin everything for the positive that we often find. And I'm, I was trying to think about the worst example ever for that. If you're truly going to engage in the power of positive thinking, just to prove the point of its flaws, I'm going to take murder, for example. Most people would say, most people uh, would say that murder is bad across the board. Probably the worst type of murder, if someone were to murder an innocent child. How do you really spin that for the positive? You can't. It's kind of limited. Honestly, like I was thinking about it, like how could you actually spin that for the positive? Where's the silver lining in, oh, that innocent child just got murdered? The best I could come up with, eh, don't, I'm pro- pro- proving a point here, I don't think this. It's like, eh, one less mouth to feed, right? So bad. Oh no, that's bad. Which I've actually heard some who are very, very like pro-abortion actually use that argument. Hey, less mouths to feed. There's no justification for that. So automatically you can see that within the rise of the power of positive thinking, that theory, there are some fundamental flaws because not all of life is bad. Not all of life is good. There are some bad things. There are some good things. You can't pretend that everything is good. We have to be able to recognize bad things for what they are. Even though some of you might not have read that book, The Power of Positive Thinking, I'm sure some of you might have. Most of you probably haven't, but even though you've never read that book, there's no doubt that some of your, our modern thinking stems from ideas of that book. You can find that in several different areas. Even now, we're living in a very sensitive era. You know, we have an election coming up. Not everybody is happy, uh, to say the least about that. But you might be someone that as you live your life, you want to surround yourself with those positive people. If someone in your life is negative, you cut, I'm not going to be around that negative person. They're bringing me down. Right? They're giving me bad vibes. Even on social media, and I'm going to tell you I am so guilty of this because I've done this maybe a little bit, twice. Uh, someone is posting certain things, and it's like, I don't want to see that. Unfriend. You know, we want to perceive our lives as positive by cutting ties with those negative influences. And that is wrong. That is flawed. You cannot surround yourselves with a bunch of yes men. We need to be challenged. We need to be confronted. There's a fundamental flaw in the power of positive thinking. It's not the whole story. I want to present to you all an alternative this morning. Uh, the alternative is going to be the power of, po- power of peaceful thinking. All right, so if you go to your Bibles, again, that's Philippians 4. If you read through verses 6 and 7, you can see that it re- This is a very popular verse, by the way, so I'm sure you know it. But bear with me. Uh, Philippians 4, 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything... By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Verse 7 says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds, in your minds, in Christ Jesus. So we're going to start back where it says, Be anxious for nothing. Remember, this is just an alternative to the power of positive thinking. But if you go back to the beginning of verse 6, be anxious for nothing. I have to point out, this is not chronic anxiety. Uh, If we've learned anything in the past 10 years, especially in 2020, chronic clinical anxiety is a legitimate issue. If you are someone that struggles with clinical depression, clinical anxiety, 
It's a legitimate issue. You should absolutely speak with someone about that, medical professional, seek counseling, like talk about that. That's a serious concern. We're not talking about that type of anxiety today. We're talking about more of the temporary sensation of anxiety, if you will. Uh, to, to illustrate that, I'm going to use kind of a fictional character I made up. I'm going to call him Bro Anxious. And I, I got this idea from a guy a couple years ago. I was at work. It was, at, it was towards the end of the day, and I was on my way back to the office. During the week leading up to this day, there was a massive conference group there. I mean, about 1,000 people were there. And it was their last night of that conference, and everyone was gathering together um, I guess to hear a speaker. But anyway, I'm on my way to the office. I walk up the steps and on my way to the office, there's a guy sitting on the couch in front of a room and just sitting there and he was anxious. The bro is super anxious. I'm not, now I'm not making this part up. He was sitting there with a notebook saying stuff like this. He was like, oh, and that is why we will succeed in coming together. And he like gets up and he's sweaty and he's like wiping his brow. We can, we can do this. Uh, we can succeed and everything. Man, bro is anxious. Now, I witnessed all that in about 10 seconds. So I was just kind of like scuttling by like, what in the world? That was the guy who was eventually going to go on to speak in front of about a thousand people. And he was nervous, super anxious. And he probably should have been. That group was large. And this was a very, how you say, prominent group. Um, you know, they're, they're top shelf. <laughs> uh, if you see the reference there. So, I mean, he had a right to be nervous. In that situation, it makes sense. He was very anxious. I think we all would probably be a little bit in that situation. And I'm saying that's a temporary feeling because you don't fast, you can't really fast forward two weeks and imagine him, you know, sitting at a diner about to eat a sandwich and think to himself, like, this is the sandwich. Oh, it's going to be digested. And oh my goodness, vitamins will. It probably doesn't do it now. If he does do that, if that's the extent of his anxiety, he should seek help. Probably doesn't do that. So we're talking about that temporary feeling of anxiety. So this is not that clinical, deep type of anxiety. This is anxiety that is temporary, that temporary sensation. Again, that guy, again, I, I said he's a fictional character because he's kind of true. The whole sandwich part between us, I made that part up. I don't know how we eat sandwiches. He didn't really look like a sandwich guy. Neither here nor there. So here's my question to everybody. In our lives, we will all experience those times of temporary anxiety. What does that draw you to? Like from there, what action do you engage in? Because if you read through the final parts of Philippians 4, 6, and 7, just be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be known to, the, known to the Lord. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Whenever you are confronted with those times of anxiety, what do you do? Do you turn to God in prayer? Do you approach the presence of God with thanksgiving, with supplication, asking him for things and receive peace from that intimacy with God? Do you actually do that? Or do you do something else? So in those times of temporary anxiety, we've all kind of been there. It's like, you know, I'm a little bit anxious. I'm about to take a test. Give me some coffee. You know, actually, that's just me without coffee, to be honest with you. Give, 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 give me some coffee. But are we driven 
to meet with God in those times of anxiety because we should. We are God's children, those adopted into his family in those times of anxiety should be driven to prayer, supplication, have a heart of thanksgiving. And from that, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. Now, under, if you haven't already underlined that phrase or highlight it, we're going to come back to this idea of the peace of God in just a moment but the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. Peace of God is a phrase that I really want to focus in on there. So that's the alternative to the power of positive thinking. We're being introduced to this idea of peace, the, the, this idea of the power of peaceful thinking. Uh, but from there, that alternative, we're going to shift a little bit. And I want to talk to you all about the discipline of peaceful thinking. Uh, So if you read on in Philippians, uh, verses 11 and 12, you can actually read about this discipline of peaceful thinking. Paul writes, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, those things that are excellent and worthy of praise, think about those things. Think about these things. Whenever Whenever we're feeling anxious, Whenever we have anxiety, it's kind of hard to focus on anything else. Have y'all ever been there? Uh, O-school students, uh, especially you all have a lot of very important tests throughout the year. Whenever you're very focused on the test, a little bit anxious about taking tests as you're studying, maybe you might not have as much interest in things that you normally would have. Maybe it's kind of hard to focus in on that series that you're watching on Netflix. Maybe it's hard to read a book. Uh, Maybe you just lost your appetite, which I could probably use that type of thing. Uh, but anyway, I know that's Seth. I'm just going to take a hit on myself there. It's called the COVID body. I've been working on it for about six months. It's going quite well. But anyway, whenever we have those times of anxiety, it, it draws our focus away. It seems like all we can really focus on is the thing that's making us anxious, right? It's kind of hard to focus on anything else. But in Philippians 4.8, Paul is telling us that with that peaceful mind, we need to focus on certain Things. And he goes through a list there. And I want to encourage you all, do this during the week. Okay, maybe write those things we're supposed to be thinking about down. Put them on your notes app, on your phone, uh, whatever. When you wake up in the morning, review those things that we as Christians are supposed to think about. And then at the end of the day, go back and read that same list and see how well you did in each category. Or take it day by day. When you wake up in the morning, take one of those things. Take Uh, Think about things that are pure. So throughout the day, try to have pure thoughts. Always focus on thinking purely. That's what Paul tells us to do. Think about those things, what is pure, what is just, so on and so forth. Think about those things. That is what's supposed to be on our minds as Christians, as believers who've received that peace of God. My question to you at this point is, what do you mostly think about? What's mostly on your mind? In your mind, you play scenarios over and over again about things that might happen. You make up those things. (laughs) How many times do we do that, right? It's like you're sitting here, these are all the bad things that can go wrong, which most of which never even happen. All that time, effort, and energy spent in those things, we get in our own heads and we focus on things that might happen that eventually, probably, inevitably don't. Break it down even further. Men... What do you mostly think about? 
See, as a guy, I have a heads up on that one. I think I have an idea. Um, I'll end it there. Ladies, same question to you. What do you, I'm asking, this is just me curious. Lady, like, what is on your minds? Like, y'all are so complicated. I've been married for seven years, and it's always like, what is on your mind? You're so much more advanced than us men. I mean, I'll just say, men are complicated. It's like straight line thinking. Women are popcorn. I don't know. But anyway, what do you mostly think about? Do you think about those things? We should have a disciplined mind. We should have disciplined thoughts. And this idea is not only mentioned once throughout scripture, this idea of a renewed mind, different cognitions, if you will, are found several times in scripture. But I want to draw your attention to one in particular that's found in Romans. Uh, So flip back quite a bit to Romans 12.2, or go ahead and open up your apps and you know, scroll through there. Hey, Google it. Romans 12.2, ESV. Uh, but in Romans 12.2, I have another popular verse where Paul writes, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. All right, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. By the renewal of your mind. That by testing... You may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. This is not a call to passivity. This is an action, a daily constant action of training our minds to think on those good things. You don't just receive it, you have to work for it. So this is not a call to passivity, you actually have to work for this. So let's say we begin to engage in that type of thinking, right? Say throughout the next few weeks, we Christians receiving the peace of God, we begin to do all those things, things that are good, things that are just, things that are lovely, which you all know the definitions for those things. What happens on the other side of that? Uh, Paul actually spells that out for us too. And that's going to be the next talking point. Uh, So we're switching from the discipline of peaceful thinking to the product of peaceful thinking. Uh, Go down to Philippians 4.11. Paul says, Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger abundance and need. So what is the product of that disciplined thinking, which flows from the peace of God? The product of that peaceful thinking is contentment. It is being content whether you are in a time of gain or a time of loss, whenever good things are happening or whenever bad things are happening. Rich or poor, health, sickness, those things the product of disciplined, peaceful thinking is simply that we can be content in any situation because we have that peace of God. And it's interesting that Paul mentions out he knows how to live in abundance. Because I think most people would say that in a time of need, when bad things are happening, you tend to be anxious. Anxiety happens on the other end too. And for the past 10 years, I've spent a lot of time with some very wealthy individuals And if I've learned anything from them, it's simply that, that a wealthy person is that. They're a wealthy person. 
Not all the cares in their world are gone completely. You know, some, they have to live within their means as well. Having money does not solve everything. I mean, sure, you can pay some bills, but believe it or not, mm, gotta watch myself here, but uh, if you don't live within your means, no matter what your socioeconomic status is, uh, it can cause anxiety. Sometimes you buy more than what you probably should. Sometimes you use the credit card too hard. Having money doesn't solve all those situations. So we think about abundance. You can still be anxious in a time of abundance, and if not, even more anxious in some situations. Or in a time of loss, we can still be content because we have that peace from God which surpasses all understanding. I'm going to go back to my friend, my boy, bro anxious. Remember reading the notebook? And <sighs> today, like nervous guy, bro anxious is what I'm going to call him. If I was going to engage him, I could really do one of two things as I was walking by. I could go up to him and basically give him a good mental pat on the back. I could have gone up to him and like, hey, listen here, bro anxious, look, you've been training for this. This is your moment to shine, right? You only got one shot. Do not miss your chance to blow. This opportunity comes. Oh my goodness. Can't believe you all went there. I don't even know where that came from. Uh, but anyway, it's like, you can do this. You've got this. This is your moment. This is your destiny. Now go down there. Tell them what they want to hear. This is your moment. Go capture it. Good game, man. I could have done that. I <laughs> wouldn't have. That'd be weird. Or I could have been honest with him if I wanted to engage him. Going up to him and be like, look here. Hey, bro anxious. I know you're nervous. I'd be nervous too. You can either do a couple things. You can either be really, really good at what you're preparing for which would be awesome. You know, you could down there and throw up on the stage, which by the way, I did find out later before I walked by him, he was in the bathroom throwing up. <laughs> Bro anxious, everybody, he's, a, he's an interesting guy. But I could tell him, I was like, you might succeed. You could fail. So what? And I think that's the point to be made here. That product of peaceful thinking, so what? Is it nice to have, sure, great to have money. Sometimes you might not have money. Look, tomorrow, you could be studying right now for a test. You can go in prepared and fail. You can go in prepared and pass. You can work as hard as you can and you could lose your job this week. You can work as hard as you can and you might get a promotion, get a raise. Maybe, maybe you might meet a new friend tomorrow. I don't know. Maybe tomorrow you'll lose a friend for whatever reason. The question is, are you content in any situation? Because with that peace of God that surpasses all understanding, you can be. And that's what Paul has. Paul was imprisoned at the time of this writing. You know what he was doing when he was tortured and put in prison? He was singing hymns. That's pretty daggone content right there. So the product of that disciplined, peaceful thinking is contentment. Christian, are you content this morning? Brothers and sisters, are you at peace with God in your hearts this morning? Are you actually content? Whoever wins the presidential election, the candidate you support, candidate you don't support, I don't know. Are you able to be content and at peace with that? That's what we have to understand here. So that is the product of peaceful thinking, but I want to draw your all's attention, and we're going to begin wrapping up here. I just want to draw your attention to the final bullet point, and that is the power of that peaceful thinking. You have to wonder, how is it possible to be content at all times, in times of loss, in times of gain, in times of highs, in times of lows? How does somebody actually be content in that situation? And the answer is really in, in the way that Paul phrases it, the peace of God that surpasses 
all understanding. And he actually says peace of God three times uh, within these uh, several scriptures there, but is a peace that surpasses all understanding, which tells me that that peace of God, it is not natural, right? It naturally makes no sense to have that type of peace and that type of contentment. And that is the power of that peaceful thinking. Look on down to Philippians 4.13. I know you know it. But when in context, it is so much more beautiful than some cheap self-help quote to put on a coffee cup. Paul says, I can do all things through Christ. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. That is miraculous right there. That is the power of being at peace, that peaceful thinking, is that you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. And I threw, I threw verse 14 up there just because it makes me smile. Paul says, yeah, it was kind of you to share my trouble. Because Paul's responding to them like, hey, Paul, bro, what's up? Uh, what can we do for you? He's like, eh, I'm fine. Hey, but thanks for thinking about me. Just an interesting way of closing that out. But the power of that peaceful thinking, that peace of God, is that it surpasses all understanding. That is a miraculous work. It's simply in that. And I have two points of conclusion. The first, I just want to let you know that God's not a Band-Aid. And what I mean by that is, you know, whenever you get a cut, a scratch, something deep, you can put a Band-Aid on it. This is the point where you want to cover your children's ears. At home, here, cover your kids' ears. I got to tell you a secret. Not a medical expert, but Band-Aids don't heal. Okay, sure, they protect it and they can slow the bleeding, but Band-Aids don't actually heal the wound. So whenever I say, God does not just throw around band-aids. I'm saying this. Whenever we are anxious, whatever it is that's causing us anxiety, money, jobs, relationships, that time of brokenness, being unsettled and not at peace, God just doesn't slap on some temporary band-aid. He gives you the source of that peace and the source of that strength. He doesn't just give you he doesn't just take away anxiety. He gives you the source of peace, and that is himself, the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. Isn't that beautiful? He doesn't just throw a Band-Aid on. He heals the wound. Only in God can that be done, because that peace, it's not so much that God gives peace. He is peace. That was the first part of my conclusion. <clears throat> Uh, second part of my conclusion is really just a question, something to kind of meditate on. Just want to challenge everybody here personally. Are you at peace? This morning, are you at peace within yourself? Um, and I think you can get a good gauge for that. If you actually talk to family members, small group, friends and stuff like that, people can look into our lives and be like, something's up. You don't seem to be at peace. But everyone who's listening to me now, are you at peace? Just to build to that grassroots church, are we at peace? Do we have that peace that surpasses all understanding? Because here's the thing, that type of peace is so unnatural that anybody outside of Christ, outside of that fellowship with God, it should blow their mind. They should be looking into your life. They should be looking at us as a community of believers and being like, how does that work? I mean, grassroots, you all are awesome. I'm saying this out of love. This is a badge of honor. We're just a bunch of misfits. But I also think that we're one of the most diverse congregations by way of background. It's incredible. So I commend us, uh, us, <laughs> commend us in that. We're really good there. But do people look into your lives and see peace? 
that surpasses their understanding. They cannot explain that. I have two challenges for everybody this week. One I kind of already touched on. Go back to that list in Philippians 4, 8. Think about those things. Think about these things. Simply enough, the exercise for everyone here this week, try to focus on those things. Discipline and train your mind to focus on those pure things, to think pure thoughts, just thoughts, commendable things. Dwell upon those things and enjoy them because they come from God. Because as we just discussed, they are God. Second challenge. Oh, I have three. (laughs) I've got three, not two. Uh, Anyway, uh, second challenge. It's quite, it's quite simple. The best way I can put it, don't surround yourself with yes men. I know it's easy to put ourselves in an environment where everybody agrees with us. We usually befriend those people. Totally understandable. But if you're going out of your way to be with people that don't hold you accountable, that don't speak truth into your life, that don't unsettle you sometimes, they're not as good of friends as they could possibly be. We need to be challenged. Even on Facebook, even on Instagram or whatever, it's good to have differing opinions and respect and try to understand the opinions of other people. Don't block people out. Be accountable. Surround yourself with good, truthful, honest friends. Uh, Finally, challenge number three. Uh, This is for unbelievers. Anybody out there that is not in Christ? Anybody out there that has not really taken to heart the fact that they are a sinner? And that they can be reconciled into a God that loves them through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. I'm going to talk to anyone out there that's not had that happen to them yet. I know you're not at peace. The Bible says you're not. You might look like you have peace on the surface. But I'm convinced that if you dig deep, deep, deep down aside, you are are unsettled and you are not at peace. You can have that peace. It's not partial. God shows no partiality. You want to know how I know you can have that peace? Because you can do all things through Christ, through Christ who gives you strength. Let's pray in closing. Father God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for this beautiful word, this peaceful word. I pray for wisdom in your church, we as believers, that we would understand these truths, that we would apply them, and that we would always keep running that good race, always having faith in you and never giving up. I pray for those out there that are listening who do not know you this morning, their unsettled hearts. God, you are the source of peace. May they get to know peace through you, understand you, and have an eternal, loving relationship with you where they belong. But guide us as we make decisions as a church. May we live within our community peacefully, peaceably, and even within this church, with each other, in our small groups, and relationships. May we be at shalom that you've given us. Thank you for all you've done. You're a good father. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for everything. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.